listener production. Hi, Sasha Barbagat with you for this extra episode of The Briefing. Around this time last year, the United Nations announced the world's population had cracked 8 billion, up from 2.5 billion back in 1950, a massive increase. But the prediction is that we're on track to reaching a peak of 10.5 billion people in 2080 before the population actually starts to decline. Over the last 70 years, fertility rates have decreased worldwide by 50%, while an analysis of 200 studies showed that across North America, Europe, Australia and New Zealand, sperm counts among men have halved in less than 40 years. Some of these papers attribute these results to microplastics and nanoplastics and other toxins that are poisoning both male and female fertility. But is this actually the case and humanity's doomed? Or are these statistics actually linked to a much broader set of variables like changes in our lifestyle, having kids later in life or lower rates of child mortality? Well, one of our producers, Simon Beaton, has been looking into this and he's here to answer the question, are we less fertile than our parents and grandparents? Simon, thanks for coming on. Why did you want to start looking into this? Well, Sash, I'm at an age now where my wife and I are having more serious conversations about whether we want to have kids. And if so, well... When do we need to start trying? What does that process look like? How long does all of that usually take? When I kind of started thinking about all this, I got pretty lost Mm. and overwhelmed. (laughs) And so I did what I do in every time in that scenario. I researched. Yeah, I've been reading everything. And as part of that, I came across some interesting articles about longitudinal studies into our fertility and that question of are we less fertile now as a species? Well, are we? Well, I will tell you that, but I want to take it back a step first is I think we actually have to talk about what makes you fertile or infertile. Yeah, it's whether you can conceive with another person, but I guess there's probably a bit more to it than that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) And while it can be the male or the female that have fertility issues, another key way is to look at it as combined by the time to pregnancy. So how long are a couple trying before they conceive? If a couple fall pregnant, say within six to 12 months of trying... Congratulations, you're fertile. Mm -hmm. However, one in six couples have difficulties and half of the time that is due to the guy and half the time that's due to the girl. Now, regardless of the generational changes, our own fertility also changes over time. So you've probably heard before, fertility is ageist. Mm -hmm. It favours the young. And while this is true for both men and women, it is particularly significant for women. Yeah. And this is a factor when we're talking about how fertile one generation are to another as our lifestyles and the age at which many people start thinking about children has changed. Mm. Dr. Manuela Toledo is a medical director at TAS IVF as well as fertility specialist at Melbourne IVF. And she explained this really well. Women nowadays, Simon, are having babies one to two decades later than their mum did. You know, often they'll come in trying for their first baby when their mum had 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 their last baby 10 years previously, when she was at the same age. The whole social environment has just changed enormously. Yeah, I remember hitting the age of 26 when my mum had had me and I went, oh my God, I could not have a baby right now in my life. And it makes sense. It's not surprising to me as well, my own experiences and the experiences of women and men around me as well. Could Dr. Toledo tell you much about when we compare the fertility of someone the same age, but a few generations apart? Yeah, for sure. So I found out that the studies that I was reading online or the stories that I'd been hearing anecdotally did have merit, but as per usual, it's 
never a simple explanation. And Dr. Toledo really did sum it up very well. Are women as healthy nowadays in their 20s and 30s compared to, say, our grandmothers? Maybe not. You know, most of our grandmothers were not smoking. Um, our grandmothers were definitely not doing party drugs. Um, and they were often not drinking a lot of alcohol. Um, and there was no junk food. I mean, you know, you, our grandmothers did not go down the road to get junk food on a Friday night, whereas for most of us that's kind of normal. Now, are those things important? Maybe if you're young and fit and healthy, they're not that important. But we see the couples where we have to really look at everything. So some couples get away with it and they still get pregnant despite smoking and having junk food, but a lot of couples are not getting away with it. Yeah, it's interesting that messaging has really grown, I've noticed, in the last few years. My husband and I are at a similar stage to you, Simon, where it is starting to become something we're thinking about. And yeah, I saw my doctor the other week and he was like, well, are you smoking? Are you vaping? Are you drinking? How much are you drinking? That messaging, I think, is pretty clear. But what about the external factors that we can't really control? Yeah, exactly. When I started this story, I really wanted to dive into microplastics and nanoplastics, which are these incredibly small little particles of plastic. So mm. a microplastic is anything that's less than five millimetres in length, about the size of a sesame seed, right. while a nanoplastic is just ridiculously small. This is any plastic debris that is between one to a hundred nanometres so do you know how big a nanometer is, Sash? Well, you would have seen me just before trying to figure out how big a millimetre was. So no, nano is is beyond my understanding of measurements. Yeah, a nanometer is a billionth of a metre. Okay. <laughs> so it's tiny. Yeah. And both microplastics and nanoplastics are everywhere. Wherever you are right now, look around. Chances are you can see some plastic. Yeah, 100%. And anywhere, wherever you are, in your home, in your office, walking down the street, you see rubbish. And I guess a lot of that plastic is easy to tear and divide as well. So what used to be a whole piece of plastic disintegrates into nothing. And then it's going into our oceans and in our environment. Then we're eating the fish and it's just... Yeah, it's everywhere. And a lot of the time it's unavoidable. A paper was released this year in Comprehensive Analytical Chemistry that centered on human health effects. And they found that these are in our body and they're toxic. Yeah. The, the study found that in 24 hours, the number of just microplastics you breathe in could be as high as 272 particles. Mm. And this is separate to those nanoplastics that are even smaller. It's really bad and we don't really know the extent to what they're doing to us on the inside yet. What about the links to fertility? Look, both of the experts that I spoke with agreed that it wasn't good and both expected that it is definitely playing a role in our health and in the health of our fertility too. Yeah, but it's too hard to kind of make a direct correlation, isn't there? Yeah, that's also true. And the environmental factors aren't just microplastics and nanoplastics. There is a whole lot more about all of the other toxins and pollutants that we can't help but breathe in and put into our bodies. Here's Dr. Toledo again. It is hard to link it, but what we do know that is all of us have microplastics in our system already. And we do know that as a whole, um, humans have reduced fertility and have lower sperm quality in men and lower egg quality in women. And it's not just microplastics, but it fits into this whole story, this narrative about the current um, polluted environment that we're living in. Just another way we're ruining the world and our own bodies and our own health. It's just great. I understand you came to this story through your own experiences. Did you find out more info specifically relating to the men's side of things? Yeah, I did. Professor Rob McLaughlin is from Monash University. He's a fertility expert, as well as being a director on the board for Healthy Male. 
We were talking about this in relation to sperm quality and male health, and he had this to say. The, the big elephant in the room here is that why is it that so many young men, perfectly healthy, walk in to see me and they've got a sperm count of one million or, or less, you know, or none? What's brought that about? And we do know some causes. Um, there are some genetic causes which we know about and test for, but there's a whole lot of guys where we just don't know. And so you step around the problem with IVF, but you're not really understanding what you're treating or, you know, what, what the, the problem was. You know, it's axiomatic. If you don't know why something's broken, how can you fix it? Yeah, that's such a good point. And yeah, we do hear about people who say, oh, we went through IVF, but it's just because they couldn't fall in a lot of cases. So it's that idea of, well, we're not actually treating what the issue is. We're just trying to achieve the result, which is pregnancy. Um, he did mention a million sperm, though. That sounds like a lot to me who doesn't know much about sperm counts. It does. Uh, but the average for a sperm sample is 16 million okay. per milliliter of semen. And it's not just, though, about that number. It's also about whether they're swimming or not. How fast? Are they swimming in circles? Do they have two heads or two tails? Furthermore, Professor McLaughlin also reminded that a sperm sample is still a sample, and even then, it really doesn't give the full picture. My sort of analogy is you've got a football team, you can see how many people are on the field, and if, and if they're running, uh, and if they've got their boots on, you think they could probably kick, and you guess, you know, that they look good enough to kick a goal. But you're not actually asking them to kick a goal, are you? You're not asking them to actually fertilise an egg, you're just looking down a microscope. And there can be some sperm that look like a fantastic team of winners, and they wouldn't know a, they wouldn't know the goals from the side of a bus. Okay, so with all of this said... I asked you at the top, is humanity doomed? Are we all going infertile? Give me a straight answer. Uh, look, I can't. <laughs> uh, it, it does feel like all of this is, we think this, but we can't be sure. And there's an element of this, but, you know, Sash, did you really expect me to come in here and say there's a 12% decrease in fertility directly linked to microplastics? Yeah, I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I can say is that our environment is playing a factor. Our lifestyle is having an effect with more unhealthy foods, less exercise, all of that sort of stuff. And we are having children in general at a later age than our parents or our grandparents. And all of these things are affecting our fertility. Is there anything we can do? We mentioned it a little bit, healthy diet, exercise, don't smoke, don't drink. Is there anything else that we're missing in this list? Do not smoke or vape. They're bad, 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 bad. Do drink water, eat healthy, get exercise and do limit your exposure to toxins and microplastics and nanoplastics as much as you can. Uh, little things, for example, wash your hands before you eat and never microwave food in a plastic container. I'm guilty of a few of those things, but I'm not going to tell you which ones. <laughs> so essentially, it's be healthy. That's all we can really control yeah, in this situation. Correct. It's common sense. But they also both commented that it's important not just for conception, but also because you don't need to just conceive. You also need to make sure that you're around for a long time uh, after having a child if you're planning on having kids. Such a good point. And I do think there's a bit of concern around it at the moment. It feels like a very public issue. You hear more and more about people needing to conceive through IVF. So if you're worried, go talk to your GP. They're the experts. Simon, thanks so much for bringing us that story. Cheers, Sash. That was our producer, Simon Beaton, there talking us through the rise and rise of infertility. That's all we've got time for on today's extra episode of The Briefing. I'm Sasha Barbagat. Thank you for joining me. We'll be back tomorrow in your feed from 6am with Tom and the team. <laughs>